there are 16 spots in the playoffs and just one track left. Well, not just any track. Daytona. A last chance to keep playoff hopes alive and for fans to experience an event unlike any other. NASCAR Weekend at Daytona International Speedway, August 26th and 27th. Get your tickets now at DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com. All right, race fans, let's get rowdy. The next 60 minutes will be two men talking one thing and one thing only, racing. From the third tracks of the Carolinas to the super speedways of Daytona and Talladega, no race is too big or small for this duo. Ladies and gentlemen, these are our hosts, Rowdy Maglite and Kyle Magda. This is the Rowdy Maglite Show. officially welcome Stanley Black and Decker and its iconic brands into the NASCAR family as the official tools of NASCAR today. Stanley Black and Decker and its associated brands have a long history in the sport and today we'll discuss their enhanced association with the sport. Here to speak with us today about the new partnership from uh, from left to right here is Doug Redpath, president of Hand Tools, Accessories and Storage for Stanley Black and Decker, Tabata Gomez, CMO of Stanley Black and Decker, and Daryl Wolf, EVP and Chief Revenue Officer of NASCAR. Tabata, we'll start with you with a question. Uh, Stanley Black and Decker has been involved with NASCAR for many, many years. Uh, can you discuss why this relationship is so important to Stanley Black and Decker? Well, Chris, let me first start with the basics. Racing and NASCAR is such a great sport. And very transparently, there is a very natural connection between racing and the tools that Stanley Black & Decker has are brands like DeWalt, like Craftsman, like Mac Tools. So that's why today we're very proud to announce that Stanley Black & Decker will now be the official tool sponsor of NASCAR. And this is a great platform for us because it will ensure that NASCAR has access to some of the best tool brands in the world. But also, it will give us a platform to better engage a ton of fans that love tools that love racing with some of the greatest brands we have in the industry. Thank you, Tabata. And Daryl, we'll come to you. Why was Stanley Black & Decker such a good fit for NASCAR? 
Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, first, I want to welcome everybody back to Daytona. Um, we're looking forward to two good nights of racing here at the World Center of Racing and culminating our regular season here and then looking forward to the NASCAR playoffs at Darlington. That was my best friend Kelleher impersonation there. Uh, but we, we are very, very excited about this partnership, obviously. As Tabitha said, and you said early, Chris, this relationship is really significant for us. Uh, the Stanley Black & Decker Company is no stranger to this sport. They've been activating in this sport for decades uh, across a number of different partnerships, relationships. They know how to activate. They see value in our sport. They understand the B2B aspects of our sport. They understand the brand-loyal nature of our fans. Um, so they understand the value of our sport, and we also understand the value of them. They've done a great job over the years, um, like I said, with relationships at race teams, at league level, media partners. And you think about the brand attributes of their tools, of their products. Our fan base understands that. It resonates. The brand attributes of our sport also overlay very nicely with Single Black & Decker. So I'll just say just thrilled with the partnership, thrilled with today's announcement, very ex excited about where we're going in the future. Thank you, Daryl. And Doug, we'll, we'll finish with you. Doug, can you tell us a little bit more about the involvement that Stanley Black & Decker will have in NASCAR, across the teams, uh, throughout the garage and, and the track and league level? Absolutely. First of all, it's great to be back here at uh, Daytona. I haven't been here in a while. It's really great to see the renovations that are being done, and a lot of that was done with uh, some of our tools. You think about the iconic brands that are in the Stanley Black & Decker family, uh, DeWalt, uh, Lennox, Irwin, uh, certainly Craftsman and Mac Tools, You'll see our products all over NASCAR, whether it be on race day in the pits, uh, certainly uh, with Joe Gribbs Racing and, and the team affiliation that we have there. You'll see our tools everywhere, hopefully. Uh, but we're really about on and off the track. So you'll see it uh, down pit row. You'll see it during the construction and then obviously everything that uh, goes about uh, putting all of these races together. So really an exciting partnership for us uh, and limitless opportunities for, for us to work together. Thank you, Doug. So... In addition to Stanley Black & Decker being named an official partner of NASCAR, we have even more exciting news. Craftsman, one of Stanley Black & Decker's iconic brands, will make its return as the title sponsor of the NASCAR Truck Series beginning in 2023. To celebrate that news, we have a special video. It's on the TV here, so we'll let that run right now. All right, well, 
Congratulations again on your return to the title sponsorship of our truck series. It's great news. Daryl, I'll come to you. Uh, you know, can you just talk about the significance of bringing a brand like Crefson back on board to this title position? Well, first, um, watching that video, it is um, you reminisce a lot. You think about the past. You think about the future. Um, when I said we were thrilled to have Stanley Black & Decker back as an official partner in the tool category, we are. To, ha to say that we're thrilled to have them back as the entitlement partner of the truck series, we're also thrilled of capital T. Uh, this is uh, really, really exciting news for us today. Um, but before I talk more about that, and, and I've got a few additional comments, obviously, about this new relationship, I do want to uh, pay a special nod to Camping World. Uh, they were a long-term partner in the truck series, 14 years. Marcus Lemonis and that entire organization brought passion and energy and innovation to that truck series and helped it grow over the years. So uh, we wish them the best. Uh, they are not going anywhere, uh, at least this year. They are continuing on. Obviously, we have to crown the Truck Series champion this year in 22 before this relationship of Craftsman starts on the Truck Series in 23. So I just want to make sure it's a heartfelt thank you to Marcus and his entire team. Quickly pivoting back to today's news. This is uh, super exciting, obviously, for the sport. You know, I reminisce a little bit about the Truck Series. Truck Series started back uh, with the Super Trucks, and I think Mike Skinner's rolling around here somewhere, and we got Zane Smith in the house. But uh, back, they had a presenting sponsorship back in 95, and then they took over the title sponsorship in 96. It kind of coincided when I started with the sport, so I reflect back to those days when the Super Truck Series and then the Craftsman Truck Series was just starting. And the growth of that series and watching this company was a spark a catalyst to help that series grow over the years from 96 all the way through the mid to two to the late 2000s. In fact, the first race here, first truck race here at Daytona was in 2000. So uh, I, I reminisce on those days and think about how important that relationship was for the truck series. I continue to think that going forward in next year, uh, 23, that relationship will continue to foster growth in the truck series, and we're super excited about that. And I think also about the sport and the trajectory of the sport today with growth across most metrics, attendance, consumption, engagement, and I reflect to where we're going to celebrate the 75 years of this sport next year in 2023. And there's going to be a lot of great storylines, storylines across the entire sport as we go into 2023. This is one of those storylines that we're excited about. And we'll be back here at the World Center Racing on February 17, 2023 to have the first it's odd saying the first because it's really not the first NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race, but a renewed relationship with them kicking off that series next year here in Daytona. So uh, just a super, super excited about where we're going. We have a lot of work to do from a transitional standpoint, a lot of marketing plans to put together. Uh, we're excited about that process. We're excited about their continuing investment with NASCAR. And they also have so many other relationships that are so critical to the sport, like the relationship with JGR and other things in the sport that we're super proud of. So, again, thrilled on behalf of NASCAR. Just a terrific day for the sport uh, going forward. Thank you, Daryl. And we'll finish it up with one last question for both Tabitha and Doug. I uh, just would love your thoughts uh, on bringing Crefson back to the NASCAR Truck Series. Well, I would say just watching that video gave me goosebumps, and there's so much passion, so much energy, so much emotion when you think about Craftsman and you think about the Truck Series. If you think about it, Craftsman was a Truck Series title sponsor for 13 years since its inception in 1995, and we're so excited to be back in the sport. And if you think about it, the rugged competition, the need for performance, and that bold, authentic, and proud spirit of the drivers, of the teams, of the fans, are the same characteristics that embodies the Craftsman brand. So it's a perfect fit. 
So we're so excited to really be back here in our official homecoming in this track in Daytona on August 17, 20, oh, sorry, on February 17, 2023. Doug? Yeah, and well said. Uh, I, I think for us, it, it doesn't matter where you, who you are, whether you're a, an auto enthusiast, a home builder, a, a homeowner, you can relate to the genuine edge that is the truck series. And it has something different. Uh, and that's what Craftsman has, a lot of heritage. We have a lot of history together that everybody's excited about and everybody can relate to. Uh, and I think that's what makes this relationship so exciting is it's a new beginning, it's a bright future, uh, and it's an exciting future uh, for, for all of us. Our customers, just meeting some of the drivers as well, uh, getting a chance to talk to Mike too and go down history lane, but how excited to see he was too about the future and the ideas he had for us. So. Really, really an exciting time for all of our customers, our distribution partners, and our employees, and just really excited about the future. Can't wait to get down here at Daytona and come back uh, in six months. So really excited. All right. Thank you, Doug. So we're going to open this up for a few questions here. Just uh, a few quick notes uh, from here after we finish some questions. We're going to go right next door to the press conference room. Uh, we'll have a NASCAR, uh, excuse me, a NASCAR Craftsman truck uh, outside uh, for some photo ops. We are joined by uh, current Camping World Truck Series playoff driver Zane Smith, who just announced that he will return to the Truck Series in 2023 with Front Row Sports. Uh, and then the first uh, Truck Series champion in NASCAR history, Mike Skinner as well, will be over there for a photo op as well. All of our participants, including those folks, uh, will be available for some one-on-one -on -one questions uh, afterwards after the photo opportunity. So with that, uh, I'll open it up for some questions here. We'll head right over here in the middle. Hey, congratulations. Greg Engel with Forbes. Um, uh, I want to know about the timing of this. Did, did the, the fact that Camping World is leaving kind of spur you guys or motivate you guys, or was this something you were talking about before? I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of curious how the timing, the timing went. So from a Camping World perspective, it's our, thanks for the question, Greg, first. Uh, from a Camping World perspective, um, it's our job. Michelle Byron's here with her team uh, on the partnership marketing side. But it's our job to have constant and frequent dialogue for our partners, right? Camping World, no different. So understanding where their business is going, understanding where our business is going, business climate changes, alterations in their objectives. So that dialogue is frequent. And like any partnership, you're going to have ebbs and flows in that dialogue. So earlier this year, there were some days where we thought maybe we were continuing down a renewal road. There were some days that we thought maybe we weren't. At some point in time during that conversation, it became pretty clear that maybe they were going to go a different direction and maybe we were going to go a different direction. At that point in time, we started some initial conversations. This was one of those conversations. And they were their enthusiasm, our enthusiasm, uh, and then we, here we are today with this announcement. So um, it's, just, it's just kind of ebb and flow of, uh, flow of partnerships. And they were around for 14 years. And uh, they did a wonderful job. And candidly, I think they will continue in some fashion, maybe in the future. Don't know what that is. Can't comment on that today. But that's just part of the conversations that were occurring. And a quick follow-up, the business climate has obviously changed since 2008, not just, you know, the activations here at the track, but how you do business in general. Um, how excited are you to, to see the new opportunities that, that can come about coming back into this sport, um, you know, because I'm sure, you know, 2008, it, it, NASCAR probably wasn't on your radar. Yeah, well, um, we've been 
partners with NASCAR for a really, really long time by now, but the business environment has definitely changed. Um, and it's funny you asked, because we were talking about this earlier, there are so many opportunities on how we're going to activate, and that's why we were talking to Mike Skinner earlier. It's like, what are your ideas, right? And we want to have a follow-up with him so he can tell us. He's like, oh, remember when they used to raise that, the Craftsman toolbox, you know, after the winner won? And what could we do on the tracks? What could we do on Daytona, Daytona on the homecoming race, right? So I think there's going to be a ton of opportunity. Obviously, social media is going to help. And I do believe the business world has changed, but it makes our fans even more engaged because they have so much access to a ton more content behind the scenes, what's happening on the race. So we're definitely planning to partner with NASCAR with some of the uh, drivers for ideas as well um, so we can capitalize on um, and, and make this the best experience for our fans and our users out there. Yep. We'll come up here to Jerry. Jerry Jordan, kickingthetires.net. Uh, for Doug, you know, obviously you guys were still involved in, in NASCAR with Joe Gibbs, and as, as y'all mentioned. So when NASCAR approached the company, how much arm twisting or, or part, you know, to, to leveraging was needed to get you guys to sign on to this? And, or was it, hey, we really want to do this? Well, I, I can answer from a, a business perspective, and I'll turn it over to Tabitha, that we've been involved with NASCAR since the 90s, right? I think it's important to remember that Stanley Black & Decker has been involved with NASCAR since the 90s, whether that be DeWalt all the way back to, for those of you who remember, Bobby Dodder, Hermie Sadler, uh, all the way through the Matt Kenseth and the championship years, right? Um, and then we joined with, with Joe Gibbs Racing. So we, we are absolutely committed to the sport and the fan base. And how that evolves over time with the different brands and the different products ebbs and flows. Um, and, but from a pure product and a business perspective, um, we connect so well with the fan base and our products are used. And that's what's so critical and so important to us. How the negotiations, you know, I'm just the business guy. I'll leave that to the marketing and the smart people. So I'll, I'll let Tabitha answer that or, or Tony if you want to dive in. Say it was an easy fit, right? It's an easy solution, easy decision. Craftsman is a brand that's out there to help um, mechanics, tools, um, users, to help builders, to help everybody pretty much around the world in, in the U.S. And, and, and the fit with NASCAR, not only from the history with the truck series, but from what we can do going forward, it was a very easy, easy decision. So when the negotiations came and we said, is this the right fit? Absolutely. And Jerry, the only thing I'd add to that is, and I think that's well said by Doug and Tabata, is that it's our job as NASCAR when we approach or they approach us, whatever the conversation, however it unfolds, is, and they've been around a long time, as, as they just said, a fully integrated approach, having relationships with race teams, having relationships with our media partners, having relationships with the tracks. A fully integrated program is not only going to, one, perform better, but it's, it's, that's how we approach the marketplace on any conversation. So relationships with a cup team or a Fox Sports or whatever it may be, super imperative. Okay. Any, any additional questions? All right. Well, thank you. We'll see everybody right across the way here in the uh, press conference room for some photos and additional one-on-ones. And thank you all. Congratulations on your return to NASCAR. Hey, congratulations. For stepping back up and being part of uh, this new 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 age racing here, you know it's uh, Craftsman's been around a while, so uh, 
With that, we're going to move on to our first driver, and that's Eric Almarola. And Eric had announced, you know, the first year that he was going to retire. But if you listen to this, he's going to kind of explain what's going to go on for the 2023 series. So, Eric Almarola. For coming in. I know that it's a little uh, cloudy outside, but uh, Eric Almarola's future has some clarity to it. And uh, Eric, you're here right now, so why don't you shine a little light on us for us? That was really good, Mike. Wow. Working on it all day. We've had a lot of time. <laughs> um, yeah, so here to announce that, uh, that I'll be back. Um, I know that doesn't come as a surprise to many of you, but... Um, yeah, just uh, put a lot of a lot of thought and a lot of um, you know discussing it with Janice and the kids and um, ultimately you know the the subject continued to get broached from the race team and in Smithfield and through all of that dialogue um, you know mainly with the race team and with Smithfield um, it was very evident that not only did they want me back but that Smithfield wanted to um, increase their their marketing campaign around NASCAR and around me. And so they have decided to come back for a multi-year agreement, um, which is incredible. Just the amount of uh, just support that they have given to me and my family throughout the career is humbling. And so um, when Shane Smith called me, the CEO of Smithfield, and said, hey, we really want you to reconsider retiring. We want you to come back and, and drive our race car. Um, is really really hard to say no. I I did tell him, <laughs> uh, let me let me talk to to Janice and and let me think about it. Let me pray about it. Um, and we did. And and there was a lot of back and forth discussion. But ultimately, it just feels right. And um, I told you guys all, you know, down here at the beginning of the year uh, that I was retiring and and that it was for you know a family decision. And this is still very much a family decision. Uh, Janice and the kids and I um, talked a lot about it, and you know I think um, the, the the person that probably has the most sacrifice involved is Janice. Um, but the kids were ecstatic that they get to still come and be with their friends, um, and there is a community that is involved and associated with what we do. And you know this year, I I took the opportunity to to really soak it all up and embrace this year. And I have found a renewed sense of what a work-life balance looks like um, this year. I, I think uh, by the time the year is over, Janice and the kids will have come to about 28 races. Um, I, I think many of you might not even come to 28 races. So um, it, it's been really good for us to, to find that balance. And uh, just everything has worked out to make it make sense for me to be able to continue to race. Um, you know, with, with the kids' activities, um, and we've moved some things around to where they're doing most of their activities during the week, and, you know, there's school that they're involved in now. Friday's a satellite day to where they have to work. Um, you know, they work, and they turn in their work on a computer, and so they're literally sitting in the bus right now um, as I'm here talking to you, trying to finish up their schoolwork. So um, our family dynamics changed. Things have changed. And it just feels it feels right, and it feels like a blessing and a, and a wonderful opportunity um, to continue to do what I love to do. And I think I made that very clear um, when I announced that I was going to retire. That I wasn't retiring because I didn't enjoy racing anymore. I was retiring because I was go I was willing to make a sacrifice for my family. 
um, because ultimately my family is the most important thing to me. Um, winning races and, and, you know, making money and all those things, I, I, I was willing to make that sacrifice to make sure I was being the, the husband I needed to be and the father I needed to be. And through this year, Janice and I have just found a wonderful balance to where I still can be the husband that I want to be and the father that I want to be. And we did some really cool stuff this year. And we forget, or at least I forgot, just what a wonderful opportunity it is to be a, a race car driver. You know, not only do I get to do what I love to do, but we get to travel around the country and go to all sorts of different cities. And so we took that opportunity this year. We went to the Arch in St. Louis. We went to um, the stadium where the Cardinals play. We've been to baseball games in Philly when we were in Pocono. Um, we went to a Detroit Tigers game when they were playing the Tampa Bay Rays in Detroit when we were there for Michigan. Um, we've taken family road trips between you know Phoenix and Vegas. We went to Zion and hiked. And we've just really taken this year to kind of embrace it and soak it all up and I think as a family, we're not ready for it to end yet. All right, we'll go ahead and open it up for questions. We'll start with Kelly and then Jordan, then move on along. Kelly, CrownRacer.com. So, Eric, you said it there about coming into the year, soaking it up, thinking you were going to retire. So how much of a mindset change is this now going from thinking about the future and what you're going to do with the family to saying, well, nope, i got to keep racing now? <laughs> um, honestly, not much of a, a, a mindset change because – um, I've been so focused on just competition. You know, I think my my commitment and my effort to performing at the highest level has never changed. Um, and so I think the biggest thing for me is just, you know, looking ahead um, into the off season where I was like, all right, once we get to the off season, I'll be able to catch my breath and we'll figure out whatever's next. Um, I don't for right now, have to figure out whatever's next. So um, I know what's next. I'm going to continue to drive a race car. So I'm looking forward to it, and I'm excited about it. But you got to remember, I've been doing this for a long time. This, I'm going into my you know 12th season next year, and so it's pretty routine. So from a mindset standpoint, nothing really changes. Jordan? Jordan Bianchi, Athletic. <clears throat> You said Smithfield Foods had resigned for multi years, um, and you're coming back next year. Are you coming back for multi years too to coincide with the Smithfield? You'll have to continue to ask me that later on next year. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think for right now that's the plan. Um, for yeah, for right now they, they've they've agreed to come back for a multi year agreement. They've uh, increased their investment in the sport and in the race team. Uh, back to the levels they were at back in 2018, 2019. So, um, you know, that was one thing that really hit home for me was when I talked to Shane, uh, Shane Smith, the CEO of Smithfield. Uh, he came down here to the Daytona 500 this year, and that was his that was his first race in many, many, many years. He grew up in North Carolina, uh, was a fan of the sport way back when. And he's been running the European operations for Smithfield for the last 10, 10 or so years. He is now promoted to CEO, came to Daytona 500, and he was blown away when he walked around and just seen the level of excitement, the enthusiasm for the sport, the you know, sold-out grandstands, the, you know, the viewership, just everything that, that he's seeing with the sport and just walking around and, and seeing the people that are here, all the campers that are all through the infield, everybody tailgating and cooking out. And Shane just said, these are our people. These are our customers. And we've been marketing to them and telling them a story and, and, and branding you know, 
trying to get support for our brand from this core group of people for 11 years. We're heavily invested in this market, and we want to continue to be because he saw it firsthand when he was here. The people that are here, the, the NASCAR fans are so loyal, so brand loyal to the people that are the corporate sponsors that are involved in the sport. And he knows and he feels very confident that their, that their participation in the sport and sponsoring a race car and being involved gives them the opportunity to talk directly to their customer. And so when these fans that camp out, sit in the stands, tune in, watch on TV, when they go to the grocery store and they have a choice to make in the meat aisle, we all hope that they will go and pick up the Smithfield brand of meat to take it home to cook it or to bring it to the racetrack to grill out and cook out. And, um, and, and we have a lot of data that kind of backs that up and supports it as well. Holly? Holly Kane with the NASCAR Wire Service. How long did you take on the decision to come back? I mean, how much thinking and, you know, did you have to, you and Janice have to really put into this to decide? It was a few weeks, um, to be honest, and there was a lot of there was a lot of talking back and forth, right? Like, what does the sponsorship look like? Is are they going to scale back, or are they going to stay flat, or are they going to increase um, their level investment? And what does that look like? And what does that look like for me? You know, are they going to sponsor half the year, and do we have to find a sponsor for the other half the year? Or, you know, all of those things played a key role in trying to iron out all the details, right? The the first question was, are, would you reconsider? And so I said, let me think about it. Let me talk to Janice, right? Let me pray about it. And then after about a week of, you know, having those discussions, it was like, yes, I, I will reconsider. But X, Y, and Z, you know, where where what's the answer to this? What's the answer to this? What's the answer to this? And we worked through that for the next probably month to six weeks. And I know it got you know put out last week that it was happening, but as of last week, it still wasn't done. There was still some things that needed to be ironed out in the details. Um, and so, I mean, to be fully transparent with all of you guys, it was done. It was done this week. We actually all came to agreements um, on all the terms as of this week. So, um, and that's why we've announced it today. Um, both the kids were elated. Um, Abby said, does that mean we have to wait to get a horse? And I said, yes. Um, and, uh, and so, but Alex and, and Abby were both very excited, um, you know, to, to still continue to be here. I think that's one of the things you have to realize. Both my kids, Alex came to his first race when he was one month old. He was born on September 4th. He came to his first race at Talladega in October. He's a month old. Abby was born on Thanksgiving Day. In 2013, her first race was Daytona 500. She was three months old. So our kids don't know any different, right? They don't, they don't know really what life looks like away from the racetrack. And so they, they had a little bit of uncertainty as well as like, well, what does that mean when dad is retired? Yeah, other than I'm going to be home a lot more, you know, what does that mean? What does that look like? So um, does that mean we won't get to see any of our friends anymore at the racetrack? Because we come to a large majority of the races and we have a community center, right? We have the MRO community center. And our, our kids, you know, spend a lot of time at that community center with a lot of the other drivers' kids as well. And so that's, that's their friendship group. They have their friends at school, and then they come to the racetrack on the weekends, and they have their friends at the racetrack. And so they were nervous, to be, you know, honest. They were nervous about what it looked like once we were done racing. Would we never get to see our friends again um, that were at the racetrack? 
So they were happy. They were happy to find out they were going to get to keep coming. Greg? Uh, Greg Engel Forbes, congrats on coming back. Um, you kind of answered this, but but was Smithfield the tipping point when they when they said, come on, you, you know, we'll, we'll resign? Was that the tipping point? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's one thing um, for me that has been just a huge blessing uh, for me and, and, you know, personally and professionally. Smithfield has sponsored, been the primary sponsor on my race car my entire cup career. Um, and so to continue to have their support and their backing um, is just an awesome feeling, you know, to, to be their guy, to be wanted. Like I truly feel like I am part of the Smithfield family. And you have to remember, you know, I've, I've been part of Smithfield for 11 years. In that 11 years, they've been through four CEOs. We've been through multiple different marketing executives and executives throughout the entire executive level office. So I feel very ingrained there, and I feel like I've done my part as an ambassador for their brand to build relationships not only with, with the key people but the entire organization because as things move and shuffle and change with inside their organization, you know, it's, it's still never wavered, their, their support of the sport and, and of me. So you're talking about you, you've learned to enjoy it a little bit more this year, right? When the mindset was, I'm gone after next year, so you go you know, here and do this. Are those lessons you can take forward to next year to make, you know, next year, whether it's the last one or not, even better than, than all the seasons you've had up to this point? I think those are lessons that I'll, I'll keep with me for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a very, very highly competitive person. And when I came into this sport, it was just me. I just had myself to worry about. And then, you know, I met Janice, and Janice and I dated for a while. And then once we got married, it was like, oh, boy, like I'm, I'm you know, I'm now responsible for, for you as well. And then we had kids, and it was like, oh, no, now I'm responsible for two more mouths to feed. And, you know, I, I always tried to separate home and work. And I felt like to be the best that I needed to be, I needed to be all in on racing. And it takes that level of commitment. It does. To be really successful at the highest level of any profession, you have to be all in and committed. But I found myself for many years putting my family second or actually third often. And everything else revolved around racing, the sponsors, all the commitments that came with racing. And I tried to fit in family time when I could. And I feel like over the last few years, I've done a lot better job at that. But as I approached retirement, it was like, man, I want to make sure that we do this together, that we go out, you know, we go out kind of holding hands as a family. We really soak it all up. We embrace it. We, we cherish this opportunity because when my kids were younger, it was easy. They weren't going to remember. But now, you know, Alex almost being 10, Abby almost being nine, like, that changes things. They're going to remember this time in their life forever. And so I wanted to make sure that it was, that it was done and that we did it right on the way out. And yeah, I think for the rest of my life, I'll, I'll take those lessons learned and make sure that, um, you know, I don't sacrifice being a, being a great husband and being a great dad at the expense of being a, you know, professional and vice versa. I don't want to sacrifice being a, great professional at the expense of, you know, being a, you know, poor, poor dad or poor husband or absent one. Thank you. Bob, uh, Bob Parker's Fox Sports. You said that 
obviously Smithfield was an important part in your signing. I'm curious, were they an important part in your original decision? I mean, there was a lot of talk like that they probably wouldn't even be coming back. And was there any part of you like, look, I don't want to like try to start a new relationship with a new sponsor, so this will just be the last year, then me and Smithfield go out together? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a fair question, Bob. And I think that is um, very much uh, a factor that was weighed in. Um, was where are they at? You know, they were going through a transition period as well um, into, you know, from the CEO, current CEO to a new CEO. Um, they weren't really sure. Uh, Shane was just coming in and was trying to get his bearings. And from from my standpoint, I, I had reached a point to where, um, you know, I, Alex was still trying to go-kart race on the weekends occasionally. We were playing flag football on Saturdays. I was watching go-kart races on FaceTime videos. I was watching flag football games on FaceTime videos. You know, I was watching Abby horseback ride on FaceTime videos, and I was sitting at the track in my motorhome. So you take those things, you weigh them out, and I was like, man, what am I doing? Like, do I really want to continue the grind? Do I want to continue being gone from my family 40 weeks a year and hustling to find sponsorship money and, you know, trying to put all this effort and focus into studying S&T data and constantly, you know, going here, going there for sponsors and doing media, you know, requests and all these things that you have to do. And I'm not complaining about it because I have the coolest job in the world and I've signed up for it and I've loved every minute of it. But it is a grind. I'm telling you, it is it is long. It is a long year. It is a lot of work. And so I just found myself kind of at times going like, what am I doing? And things changed for us, right? We got our kids into a school where Fridays are satellite days so they could travel with me. We, Alex, on his own, decided that he was wanting to play baseball. We signed up for a baseball league where his games are on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. I haven't missed a single baseball game. Um, you know, things, our circumstances in our life have changed to where it just made more sense to be able to stay out here on the road and continue to do what I love to do, and my family still be a part of it. We'll go Lee, and then right over here to Chris. Does Alex have any interest in racing? Um, if he was sitting here right next to me, he would say yes, um, and, and I think he does, uh, but we've kind of pumped the brakes on that for right now. Um, he's really, really into baseball, um, and it's been so fun for me. I played baseball all the way up to high school, and you know, growing up in Florida and a little Hispanic community, every every Hispanic kid in Florida plays baseball year round, um, and so did I. And uh, I, I I predominantly played baseball and raced as well when I could. And as I got older, racing become you know more of more important than than baseball. But for me. As his father, I have so much fun going out in the yard and throwing the baseball with him and going to baseball practice. I'm actually the assistant coach on the baseball team, um, and it's just been so much fun to be out there on the field with the kids. And so mom and dad are still pushing baseball pretty heavy, plus it's way, way cheaper. <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, we, can, we can play baseball for a whole year for what it costs for a set of tires. And is Drew going to stay the course with you, or are you guys kind of, you know, locked in together? Yeah, I think Drew will stay the course with me. I don't want to speak, you know, for the race team and, and speak for Zippy, but as far as I know, uh, Drew will stay with me. Drew has been a wonderful addition to the race team. Um, he is uh, he's such a great team leader. 
and the guys on the team love them. I really enjoy working with them. Um, it's been a lot of fun uh, working with Drew this year. So I, I, I think as far as I know, that's the plan. It would be news to me if it wasn't. Great. And one final question right here. Chris Gollum with uh, Newsday China Beach. Uh, I'm right over to your right, Eric. Um, in the corner over here. Oh, gotcha. How's it going? Uh, first of all, congratulations on uh, coming back. And I wanted to uh, ask, uh, it's safe to say you've taken some pretty nasty hits over the years, not the, least of which put, not the least of which put you out of the 43 for a few weeks in 2017. I was wondering if you could speak to what role that played, if any, in your decision of whether or not to hang it up. Yeah, there, I mean, every time we strap into a race car, right, there's, there's always a risk involved. And, but I've known that since I was a kid. Like, there's a risk involved when you get in a go-kart there's a risk involved when i you know modified raced or late model race so um i've always known that and that's the risk that i've always been willing to take because i love to race so much right the adrenaline rush for me and and the the thrill of competition has always outweighed the risk factor and and that still you know remains the same for me um you know obviously uh, when you do get older, you have more people dependent on you, right? Now I have a wife that depends on me. I have two kids that depend on me. So circumstances certainly change over the years. But, um, you know, for me, you know, I, I still accept those risks as a race car driver and want to go out and perform and compete. Um, that that thrill always just outweighs the risk. Yep. All right. Thank you, everyone. It's been a yep. great day. Thanks, in guys. The sports industry, especially here in NASCAR, and on behalf of Smithfield and Stewart Haas Racing, very happy to be a part of it. Thank you very much. There are 16 spots in the playoffs and just one track left. Well, not just any track. Daytona. A last chance to keep playoff hopes alive and for fans to experience an event unlike any other. NASCAR Weekend at Daytona International Speedway, August 26th and 27th. Get your tickets now at DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com. Joined by our next driver, driver of the number 24 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet, William Byron. I will go ahead and open up the floor to questions. Um, let's go ahead and start with Dalton. Hey, William Dolan, help you with uh, Both your teammates, Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, were involved in that incident, if you want to call it, at Watkins Glen. But they said recently that they had a meeting and everything settled. I just wanted to know, and I was also curious, were you a part of that meeting? And what was your take on that whole situation? Uh, yeah, we're always part of those meetings. Um, competition meetings happen for us every, every Monday at noon. So, um, yeah, it was just open discussion, dialogue, and thought it went well and um i've always i've always had respect and raced well with all of my teammates so i feel like we all get along well and um you know i feel like we all work together when when possible i mean obviously not a not a ton of places you can work together anymore but the the speedways and some you know martinsville restarts and things like that chase and i have worked well on and and kyle too in the xfinity race we worked well together so um yeah all right, we'll go over to Jeff. So what what is, like, the standard in general of what you're supposed to expect from how to race a teammate? Like, what, th that situation aside, what, when you're racing with them every week, are, are you supposed to give them extra room? Are you supposed to, like, does being going for the win change it? What What's, like, what do you expect from that? Yeah, it's it's tricky. I mean, in today's NASCAR, there's so many 
other factors like who's behind you on a restart is a factor. So, um, you know, that that makes a decision different for you based on the lo- loyalty or lack thereof. Um, so I, I think all those things factor in. But when it comes to directly racing your teammate, for us, it's, you know, just not making contact. You know, we, we're expected to trust the other three guys a little bit more than, than the rest of the field. So I think that's just the, the way that I approach it is just trying to, uh, you know, if I do make some incidental contact, like Kyle and I on, on restarts or Chase and I or Alex and I, like it's definitely not intentional to try to, to hit them. But, um, but yeah, just trying to, trying to race them with a little more trust, I'd say. I'd say the biggest word is just trust. All right, we'll go up here. Dustin Lovino, JSK.com. William, with how much speed you guys had at the beginning of the year, how dangerous do you feel like the 2014 can be come the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I mean, we haven't shown it, shown it in a while, but, um, you know, I feel like we're, like Indy Road Course, we had top top four speed. Um, we're really, on all the metrics that I looked at that we get sent out, we were a second-place car at Indy Road Course. So that was a really good race for us. Um, the last couple have been, you know, we've kind of been – on the edge of the top 10, uh, not quite getting there at the end of the race. And, but I think honestly, a lot of the tracks in the playoffs are really good tracks for us. I mean, obviously had a great run going at Darlington. Um, feel like Kansas, we were leading the race, had a flat left rear tire. That was back when we were all having left rear tire, uh, problems and, uh, damaged the entire underbody of the car. So went from leading that race, uh, Kurt was second at that time, to to running, I think we finished 15th or 16th because the, the car had no more downforce after that. So uh, those two tracks were really good for us. Bristol last year finished third. Um, so I don't really look past those, but I think as we get into the second round, I mean, those are, those are great tracks too in the third round. So um, I, I don't know. I feel optimistic for, for really all of them. I mean, Homestead's back in there. That was an awesome track. We just had a good test at Martinsville. So uh, I feel like Martinsville can continue to be a good, good place for us. So we just got to get to those. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Do we have any additional questions for William? All right. Thank you so much for yeah, your time. Thanks appreciate guys. It. Appreciate it. All right, Kyle, William Byron there. Uh, like I, I thought, Mentioned earlier, we're in a rain delay till Sunday morning at 10 a.m. That's the way it rolls here. That's unfortunate, Rowdy. Uh, it's still tropical it, season it down in Florida, and uh, when you when you have a schedule a night race and rain is in the forecast throughout the day, that is that is bound to happen. But now it's a Sunday morning race, 10 a.m. on CNBC Eastern. Um, live on MRM, so uh, the Coke Zero Sugar 400. Uh, At least they're going to try yeah, to get in early and not wait for the freaking afternoon. Right. I mean, it, it, I felt like Groundhog Day here, Kyle. It was. It's almost the same scenario today as it was yesterday. Started late and uh, got over it. Actually. 128, I think. Time I got back to the camper in the infield, talked at least 20, 30 minutes with Dave and Tom that I hadn't seen since the Daytona 500. It was 3 o'clock before I got in bed. That sounds about right for a, a Daytona. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, Y'all don't get there a lot better than I am. 
Chase Elliott fan in a hurry there. Traffic's moving about two, and he couldn't while let, wait and let me walk by. Hey, listen, I, I've got. I think I've got a Chase Elliott. Well, I'm not sure if I got him in the in the. Well, may have it on there, but I don't think I did, Kyle. But Chase is still sore. He's still sore and upset about last week's race, Chase, uh, Kyle. And in the in the, in the how it starts here at the Chase could be the way it ends. And, uh, you know, Kyle. Yeah, here, they I, I think it's going to be interesting with those two once the playoffs start. And somebody had wrote, two somebodies had wrote on the side of the wall that chases, make sure that you uh, pay back Kyle Larson. It's kind of crazy. You know, deliberately wreck somebody. I mean, he was racing him, just to say, just to be fair. Well, you know, some people think we should be out here lollygogging and Touristy, acting like a tourist riding around the track. It's Kyle racing, folks, you know. He looked like a pretty clean race to me. I didn't see him bump him and push him out of the way. So anyway, Kyle, yeah. it, it, that's the way it goes. They're not happy. They're never happy. Uh, Chase is one that seems to have a sour, sour attitude. Right now, and and if you're chasing for the championship, Kyle, you know like I know, you can't have some kind of grudge in the back of your mind. If you're going to pay him back, you better think about paying him back at Daytona 500 at the first race of next year, not here in the chase, because it it could get really nasty for Chase. I don't think the paybacks are done yet for anybody. Um, I think it's only going to intensify. Uh, once the playoffs start next week at Darlington, um, I know we still got two spots left in the playoffs, but uh, one will be on points and one will be for the race win. Well, if, if the race winner does indeed not be one of the top two, um, they're already in. But uh, yeah, a lot of storylines. But uh, Rowdy, I know um, I don't know if you hinted on it or not, but I wanted to say something about it. Was uh, was Jeremy Clements winning last night? Um, what an upset that was last night. Um, I know he won an Xfinity race at Road America five years ago, but Rowdy, that just locks that whole team into the playoffs and everything. That's basically what they just did. Isn't that crazy? You're right. Uh, so I've got – let's do Truex. We had a pretty good roll of, of guests, so I've got about a, a, a nine-minute Truex and uh, Barn Truex here. We're going to continue here. We are now joined by driver of the number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, Martin Truex, Jr., I will go ahead and let Jerry here open it up to questions. Jerry Jordan kicking the tires.net. So news this week, obviously, of, of Kurt, uh, you know, opening up an extra spot. It's kind of a bittersweet for you to some degree. I'm sure you don't want to see a, a fellow Toyota teammate have to do that. But what were your thoughts? And uh, going into the race now, that you have the uh, definitely have a shot. Um, who would you? Uh, wh- what would you do to get the win to get to the playoffs? Well, yeah. First off, I mean, obviously, uh, we're all thinking of Kurt and wishing him the best, and uh, hopefully, he, you know, he gets better and come back and do what he loves to do. So uh, he's been he's been a good teammate this year. First time I've 
worked with him and uh you know at Toyota that's been fun so uh wishing him the best and yeah for us just uh you know we're not in until it's over tomorrow night so I don't really even you know have any feelings either way I'm here to race and uh, I'm excited and um two scenarios one we you know get in on points uh or win the win the race uh that would be optimum because the owner's point situation so um but yeah, we'll see. You know, just kind of how it all plays out, and uh, you know, if we can make our own way in there. Let's head over to Bob. Uh, Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. So obviously, Kurt's decision, him being a Toyota guy, you being a Toyota guy, there's a lot of like talk. Like, you know, if if you weren't the person out, you know, would he have made the same decision? I'm curious. Like, did you talk to him at all? Did he talk to you at all? And what you know and you know, when you heard about it, are you like, okay, I've got a little bit more, maybe, I don't say flexibility, but there's obviously more options on ways to get in. I hadn't talked to anybody about anything. Um, you know, I heard the news just like everybody else. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't really know what went into the process. I think, you know, for Kurt not being in the playoffs, he probably would have not felt right taking a spot. I don't know that it would be different if it was, Anybody else in that 16th position? I really don't know. We didn't have those conversations, so um, yeah, that's that's all I know. Um, but yeah, it's a good opportunity for us, and uh, you know, obviously, it's not been not been the season we've wanted. Uh, it would be nice to be locked in. I don't. You never want to come here to Daytona and not be locked in and have to make something happen. So uh, that's why I, you know we'll just go race tomorrow night and see what happens, and really not uh, not thinking about it either way to be honest with you. All right, let's head over to Jeff and then Lee. So how, how do you approach it with the 25-point part of it specifically? Are, like, do you have to sort of play off what Blaney's doing? Do you just go all out and see what he, how he reacts? How, how are you going to approach that? Yeah, I mean, I think we need to go race and try to stay at the front, try to get stage points. Um, you know, like I said, the best-case scenario for us would be to, to get in on points or win because, you know, the owner's points – side of things um, you know if we have to fall back on that last spot we won't be in on owner's points so it's not really what you hope to accomplish right so uh, we'll just see like I said I mean I, I think we had a really strong car here in February um, led a ton of laps won two stages you know got got kind of banged up and then finished um, you know kind of tore up so we didn't have the speed at the end of the race but had a really strong day going, and, uh, you know, Talladega went good as well. So I feel like our cars are really fast here, and um, hopefully we can take advantage of that and put ourselves in position to be, uh, be a fun way to, to win one here with everything on the line. All right, Lee and then Holly. Do you, does Drew approach spotting this race any differently? And, you know, the new car makes it a, there's really not as many lanes maybe in the past of traffic as there has been do you guys how do you approach it from um have you talked to him about it and what his approach is for tomorrow um we haven't talked specifically about tomorrow night yet i'm sure we will probably tomorrow but um or tonight but i think for us it's kind of just been an evolution process of working together at these type of racetracks and trying to just get better at, at working together and and you know kind of just feeling things come quicker and and being more aggressive and you know, me not checking my mirror when he says to move. That's, you know, that takes a little while. You know, the first couple of times you're like, yeah, I better check. I know it's close, you know. 
and then you get to where you just get more comfortable and, and you trust that guy. So um, I feel like we've made some really good gains on the on the speedways, and um, you know this year has been pretty good for us. So hopefully we can continue to to work on that and get better as the night goes on tomorrow night and be in position to take advantage of it at the end. And if you do advance into the playoffs, you've won twice in the last six years at Darlington. You feel confident in heading into that track? I do, yeah. We had uh, we had a strong run there uh, back real earlier in the year. We got in some trouble late. Um, I think we ran top five, around the top five most of the day. So, uh, yeah, certainly we need to get a little better than we were there uh, the last time. But I feel good about it, and um, yeah, I feel like we'll have a, a good shot at going there and running well. Hi, Holly Kane with the NASCAR Wire Service. With the nature of the racing here, is it possible for things to get even more intense, deciding, you know, being the final regular season race, or, you know, do you pretty much know what to expect? Because it's always like that at Daytona. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 you never know what to expect here, but you know it's going to be wild and crazy. There's going to be a lot of crashes. Uh, rain in the area, who knows when it could end. You know, does it even go the full distance? Um, weather tomorrow looks about like today, so... You know, they they brought the last regular season race here for a reason, <laughs> right? Drama <laughs> and uh, craziness, and that's what we're going to see. So that's why, you know, for me, I'm just like, we're just going to go out and race and try to put our best race out there and hope that we can get it done. But, um, you know, I don't have feelings either way, you know, right now of whether we're going to make it or we're not. We're going to go race and see how it all unfolds. And there's a lot of things that could happen, and uh, we'll just we'll see see what happens and take it take it from there all right Dustin Dustin Long NBC Sports Martin certainly if Blaney wins you get in on points regardless what happens and, and I know that's not the optimal situation as you noted because of the, the owner's points and that what that situation puts you in yeah but bottom line is could you envision a situation where you help him win as opposed to helping another uh, a teammate or a similar manufacturer? Um, well, I mean, if he ended up in front of me at the end, and I I wouldn't have a problem pushing him. I'm not going to push a guy that hasn't won yet. You know what? So, I mean, yeah, obviously, I'm going to do what I'm, I'm going to do what uh, what I feel like is, is the best opportunity for me to win uh, or be in position to win. So that would probably be a good scenario, push Blaney to the lead and pass him coming to the checkers. <laughs> No, I mean, it's no. I'm sure they'll tell me. If it's two to go or one to go, I'm sure they'll tell me. Yeah. All right, let's head over to Kelly. KellyCrimalRacer.com. Martin, you mentioned your performance in February and Talladega. So do you come here feeling better than maybe you have in the past coming to a super speedway race because they've been so up or down with for you, or is Daytona still a love-hate relationship regardless? Uh, no, I mean, I, I'd say I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. You know, what we did in February, we can continue that. And um, But, yeah, I mean, you just you got to stay out of the accidents, right? It's just, I mean, that's the hardest thing to do here is you never know where they're going to happen. You could be running second or third, or you could be running 30th trying to stay out of the mess. So it's – you know, it, in February, we led a bunch, like I mentioned, had a little trouble on pit road, went back mid-pack, coming back through, and there's the crash. So you just never know when or where it's going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, as far as our speed goes and, and the things we've been working on uh, between Drew and I and James, just uh, feeling more confident um, this year, I think, with this car in general, how it's ran for us. It's been pretty good. Do we have any additional questions? 
All right. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck this weekend. All right, Kyle. Martin Truex. uh, Tomorrow, we'll tell a big story of several guys. Ryan Blaney on on the bubble wire. Ryan Blaney is also the defending winner of the race, so that helps. Um, yeah, yeah Martin, Martin runs pretty good at the plate tracks or the super speedways, you want to call them now. Uh, yeah, um, I think, you know, I, first of all, I wanted just to say that I think the 45 team is a championship caliber team. Um, if Kurt Busch did not get injured at Pocono, I feel like they may have made the final four. Um, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But now with that second spot opening up, uh, you know, looks good for Martin Truex Jr., um, depending on what happens tomorrow morning. Um, but, uh, yeah, he has to watch what he has to do and, you know, try to get that 19 team into the playoffs. Well, you just heard, you know, Daytona's located right beside the airport. You heard that big loud takeoff. That was one flying out to Charlotte. Uh, another one of the things or disadvantages has been on the infield. Sometimes you get beside people with generators, firstly with headers on them. So we got one over here that's kind of loud. But, uh, Kyle, we got uh, Bubba Wallace, which is my pick for tomorrow because he's been good all year and he's due a win and he's good on these super speedway. And uh, we're going to listen to that. be a good story to make up for Kurt Busch. I, I tell you what, you're exactly right, though. I, I, I thought Kurt would be in the Final Four. I mean, the experience is going to take that team to the to the four. So, uh, Bubba's got to pull the slack. We are going to go ahead and continue with ma- media availabilities today. We are now joined by driver of the number tw- 23 Toyota with 2311 Racing, Bubba Wallace. I will go ahead and open up the floor to questions. All right, we'll head over there to Reed. Uh, Reed Spencer with the NASCAR Wire. Um, with qualifying canceled, how do you think that affects you as one of the guys who has to win to get in? Doesn't affect us at all, right? You, you make up your own uh, your own choices at uh, at speeder racing. So if you qualify on the pole, you want to drop back and try to avoid wrecks, then you can do that. You know, we're already at the back, but you know our philosophy is is, um, is just. You know, see what our car has the first couple of laps of the race, and if we got a car good enough competing, then we'll try to stay up front. If not, if we get shuffled, then just fall in place wherever we end up and make sure we're there for the last couple of laps. So um, I think my mother says it every race. It's not where you start, it's where you finish. So. All right, let's go over here to Jor- uh, Jerry. Jerry Jordan, KickTheTurns.net. With Kurt's news coming out yesterday, what's the sentiment around the, sentiment around the shop and, you know, conversations you guys have had, and, and what kind of spirits is, is he in right now? Yeah, the cinnamon is, um, <laughs> the cinnamon around the shop is, uh, is <laughs> you know, I, I'm, obviously everybody's super bummed for Kurt, just the way that the whole deal's kind of gone down, and it's just a, a, a wild deal for him, and so I, I know from him, being one of the OG guys, right? He's been around for a really long time, and and he's seen a lot of things throughout this sport, and, and been able to do a lot of things for this sport. And so, 
to see him sit on the sidelines in this way is definitely not how any of us thought of it, especially him. And so, uh, you know, I, I haven't reached out to him this week because I, it's just the timing doesn't feel right, just just the way that it goes about. So, you know, every week I've told him, hey, man, we're racing for you, and, and you know, this is this is important for us to get you back healthy. And so I think that's that's what we got to focus on is make sure he gets back to a, a good recovery state and the whole process is great for him to get him back and so it's just uh it's a crazy deal man all right we'll go over to holly hi baba holly kane with the nascar wire service when you come in here having come so close to winning here multiple times mm-hmm. is this the place where you come in feeling like i got this i'm this close i could do it or are you thinking more about the disappointment of not coming? But do you feel like if you had to go to a place to get that win, that this is where you want to come? Yeah, like maybe five years ago, you know, I would be like, oh, man, we deserve a win here. But, you know, five years to where I'm at now, it's like you don't deserve deserve anything, right? You have to go out and earn it. And no matter if you finish second, how many times we've done it, you know, it's 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 still – you know, we could blow up lap one. You don't know. We could something break lap one. We could wreck out lap one, right? You, you don't know. And so, you know, for us, it's just, you know, not get ahead of ourselves. Let's focus on, you know, what we need to do. Bummed that we didn't qualify um, because the last speedway race, we had a really a lot of speed. For all Toyotas did. So that was, that was really fun to be a part of. But, you know, it's just making sure you're there for the last, we always say five laps, but hell, we wreck 10 times within five laps. So make sure you're there for the last two laps, right? <laughs> and, and and setting yourself up for the being one of the first four cars. So that's what we need to focus on. Let's get up to that point. Let's, you know, get through the first stage, check that box. Get through the second stage, let's check that box. And then, you know, your, your boxes get smaller, the job gets a little tougher because, you know, you, you have to last that whole last stage to get to where you're at. And then then you focus on, like, okay, now it's time to win. But there's just so much meat left on the bone before that. So, for me, it's another race. You know, you can't get overzealous with it because it, it just humbles you so fast, right? You know, you can be cocky or arrogant or hungry coming into it, but the sport has a way of busting your ass pretty quick. All right, we're going to go to Jordan and then Jeff. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. We, we, obviously, luck is a factor here. We know that. But hey, Sorry, didn't I tell you you'd find out when I had my contract deal, when everybody else found out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, see? Stop trying to rush questions. <laughs> oh, good. Um, I may have found out before then. Yeah, um, probably. Adam Stern, probably. No, definitely, <laughs> definitely not. Um Luck is obviously a factor here. We know that to some degree. But if you look at the guys, there's a consistent group of drivers who run well in these races and put themselves in a position time and time again. You are one of them. Your stats indicate that. What is it about you? What are you doing to put yourself in a position where you can continue to capitalize and run it front and put yourself into win races? I reckon. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a big part of it, right? We think, you know, I think Denny said he thinks this race is going to be caution-filled. And I, I don't know what to expect. That's like one of the questions that I hate getting. It's like, what do you expect this race to be like? I don't know. We're going to find out. Like, your guess is as good as mine. Um, but, 
we had the speed, and it's it's a big mental game. It's a big chess game. We talk about that. Um, you know, you you make one move. You, you're trying to make a move that sets you up for three moves ahead. Does that make sense? And at first, I didn't really realize that. I was like, oh, man, our car has decent speed. Let's just try to get up through the field, and, and no one will work with you. And so we always made a joke. It was like there's some encrypted code on the back of my car that pisses people off, and they just, you know, pull away. <laughs> and we never knew what that was. And and then you realize it's like, you know, get the finishes first. You know, finish these races. Get the finishes that you deserve or that you've earned. And you start to get a little bit of credit to your name, and they see like, okay, hey, the 23 car is pretty quick. And you see you're, you're one of the favorites to win, so that kind of gives you some more cars in the field to play with. Um, what does that attribute to racing, you know, racing smart, racing hard, uh, making good calls on top of the roof for Freddie, uh, keeping us in the game with strategy for booty. Um, just a lot of key components that, that go into it. But luck is, has a, has a lot to do with that. I mean, look at the Daytona race last year here. I was 13th when that wreck happened and ended up third, but we got paid for second because of some more luck because the other guy got DQ. <laughs> so it's, it's like. I was 13th, though. Like, no shot of winning. And we come out third. So, just close your eyes and pray sometimes. I don't know if that answered it, but, yeah. We'll go to Jeff and then Kelly. So many different agendas out there. So, do you think that the manufacturers will all stick as tight together as they would, like, during the Daytona 500? Or do you think some of the OEMs will be like, all right, you guys can just go do your own thing, whatever you need to do? No, I think it's always it's always a manufacturer's race here, right? Um, you know, I think Toyota Toyota is is nice. There's only six of us, and they're like, hey, work together. It'd be nice. That's it. I've been a part of the other manufacturers, and it's like, hey, if you don't do this, then Monday's gonna be hell. And it's like, okay, um, are they gonna work with me? No, they never do. So, gotta work with them though. But Toyota Toyota is just is like, hey, let's let's work together and 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 just trying to get a Toyota victory lane and very, very low key about it. But, um, but yeah, I think, like I said earlier, our speedway stuff for all the Toyotas have been really strong. And so that gives us, you know, more, um, I don't know the right word, um, more emphasis on, on just working together and pushing each other. You know, we got two Toyotas right now that are trying to get into the playoffs. Martin's in right now, but it's, it's a, you know, it's a scenario that, you know, if, a, if the 23 car wins, you know, it's going to be tough for him. So, uh, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. And I, I don't. I come into these races, don't expect him to be working with anybody. Um, you know, you. It'd be nice, you know, to have the help, but you have to have a realistic, realistic expectation. It's, it's, it's all like, hey, yeah, we'll work together until the green flag drops, right? And then it's something else. But race car drivers don't forget that as well, right? So, um, at the at the end of the day, you you race for your team, you race for yourself, you race for your sponsors. Um, but in moments where it's like, you know, hey, the 19 cars maybe falling off the pack, can we go pick them up? Yeah, hell yeah, you know, let's let's go help out. And hopefully the same is is, is um, roles reversed is the same way, right? If we're falling off, we might need some help. But uh, when it gets down to last few laps, and it's like, okay, it's every man for themselves. Which that's you can't fault that for anybody. All right, let's go to Kelly and then Dustin. 
KellyCrandallRacer.com. Bub, I imagine with the old car, everyone had gotten a sense of what you could do with it in the draft, where you can push, where you're not supposed to push, so on and so forth. Yeah. Where are you at with understanding next-gen in that regard? How comfortable are you with it in the draft, or how has it changed super speedway racing? Yes, yeah, it's, it's different, right? There's really no third lane that gets formed. Um, and so it's it's like a big, uh, big parachute when you kind of pull out by yourself and try to form that third lane. So you definitely have to have a lot more help than, than previous year's cars. Um, previous years, like I've drove since the 2000s, last year's car for me. <laughs> um, but it's it's definitely a, a just a little bit slower, and, and things kind of happen. You kind of manage it, but you you would think with the more time that you have to focus on that, you could do something with it. But like I said, when you pull out, it's like oh, a momentum killer. So you it you really have to plan out your attack a few laps ahead. Like okay, if I go here. Homeboy might not go with me, or they may. Got to time it right. Timing is key with these cars. All right, let's go over to Dustin, and then we'll head over to Bob. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Uh, Bubba, you, you noted the, the fewer number of cars that you guys have as a manufacturer. With the news this week of, of Kurt being out, you trade out a teammate who has won here, very experienced with a teammate who has one Xfinity start at this track. Mm -hmm. And and you talked earlier just about, you know, learning it, the time it took for you to learn here. How do you help or what are the expectations for you at a tie because of your situation to get into the playoffs, but with his inexperience? I mean, is it as simple as stick to my rear bumper and follow me wherever? Or how does that work? And, and how do you try to help him through this so he can be more of a benefit to you if you guys are closer together at the end of the race, despite his inexperience at this type of racing. Yeah, no, I'll say, you know, for for the time being, like, that tie has filled in for Kurt. He's been doing a great job. He's been doing a great job in the car, not not overstep. He overstepped his boundaries in, qual or in practice uh, last weekend. Um, but I just finished up an interview, and I said, you don't know your limits if you don't overstep the boundaries, right? And so for him, we all, we all know sitting in this room that he has a, a crazy amount of talent. But when you get to the cup level, you have to uh, kind of readjust your mindset. You know, you, you bring all that talent, but be prepared to know that it's still not enough. So you have to learn that. And so for him this weekend, um, you know, this will be the first time in the pack. And, you know, he gets no qualifying to, to feel how his car is. He just has to go and, and experience it. So for him, you know, I'll have a good conversation with him because, you know, he is a teammate. He is he is not just a Toyota teammate, he's a 2311 teammate. And, and you know, for us, you know, our goal is to get the 23 car in the playoffs. And so if he can play a factor in that, then we have to, we have to, you know, make sure he's prepped for that. And, and Ty's been, and been great at, at understanding the, the, the process and the task at hand for each and every race. And, uh, you know, his commitment, he's, he said it in our meeting on, on Monday, you know, he's committed to helping us out. And so for him, I think just giving him the general flavor of, of, you know, how I run my races at Speedway stuff is, is basically letting the little fish go catch the big fish later and, and not get overworked up and just settle in where you're at. Um, so we'll, we'll have those conversations, though, but excited for uh, Saturday to see how he does. Let's over to Bob. I'm Bob Hockers, Fox Sports. With Kurt's decision, what is the vibe over there? Is just like, do, you, do you feel that is there any sort of sense of um, – are people down? Like, are people 
down and or frustrated and or just, you know, I don't want to say upset, yeah. but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, and do you feel like, and does that impact your 23 group? Um, I would say that the the atmosphere is we're all bummed, right? We all we all hate it for Kurt. Like, it's we we're not in his shoes, so we can't live up to a full full extent. But just the scenario, like I said earlier, is just it, it, I hate it for him, and everybody does. But at the same time, it's like, okay. What he, what Kurt, Kurt wants us to do is not worry about him and go out and win races and still compete and get Toyota in victory lane, get 2311 back in victory lane. And so we have to do that. And that's my mindset. You know, in the back of my mind, we're thinking about Kurt, but we, we have to go out and still compete. And, and like I said, I'll, I'll continue racing for Kurt and, until he gets back full and healthy. All right. That is all the time we have. Thank you for joining us, Bubba. Good luck this weekend. Cool. Thanks. going to roll right into our next media availability today. Um, we are now joined by Joey Logano, driver of the number 22 Team Penske Ford. We'll go right into questions. Um, we'll start right up here with Greg. Oh, man, I wasn't ready. Hey, Joey. Greg Engel Forbes. Um, <laughs> uh, the F1 Drive to Survive, have you seen that? What's the, that? the what? I'm sorry. F1 Drive to Survive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of involved in something like that. That's that's kind of what the NASCAR take. What was that experience like? And and do you hope it kind of helps the sport the way that Drive to Survive has seemed to help F1? Well, I think everyone's seen the success that Drive to Survive had. Um, you know, with uh, reaching out to the non-fan or maybe casual fan of of F1 and seeing, I think the how much that turned around. At least even my point of view right I, I watched it casually but I'd say I watched it a little bit more intensely now um, as you learn a little bit more about how their sport works and and really peeling back the curtains of um, not necessarily their their personal life that I really care about but it's the it's the how the race teams ran, ran and how they do things differently than than what we do here in NASCAR and those things were intriguing to me um, yeah so I think it's pretty obvious it was successful um, and I think it's smart for us to, to look for ways to do the same thing, um, which we did. And, um, you know, I, I was, uh, I've been able to watch the first episode, um, so far as a approval thing. And, um, it's very entertaining, like highly entertaining. And, uh, it's a good mix of, of preparing for racing, personal life and, and the race itself, which may actually be the smallest part of it. Because everyone gets to see the race on Sunday anyway, so you don't have to tell that story again. Everyone knows how it goes, but it, at least the the preparation side of it and how my competitors do it and those type of things, I, I'm interested in. Uh, I like watching that stuff as well. So um, you know, kind of reminds me of the, the show. Um, what was it? Uh, NBS 24/7, I think it was. Like remember a long time ago, and they followed um, Kenny Wallace and um, yeah, yeah. Fedua and all those guys, right? It's it it pretty entertaining. Um, so it, it's a step in that direction for sure, and um, I think it's going to be great. I, I really don't see it where it's bad for the sport. Um, has some drama in it. Has I mean, it's life, right? It shows, it shows life, and it follows different drivers at different weeks. Um, so I think it's going to be great for our sport for sure. I think it was a, a hole in our sport that needed to be filled. So you saw the first episode. I saw the first episode. How true do you think it was? You might have seen it before me. 
No. <laughs> saw it yesterday. <laughs> All right, I beat you. <laughs> <laughs> How true was it to it? Because, I mean, you experienced it, right? You've experienced the, the, the cameras and, and them being there with you, and then you see it. And, you know, obviously editing, they can do things, but how true was it? It's, it's I mean, as far as I can only speak on my behalf um, and, and my stuff, and um, it's pretty true there. Um, you know, there's some editing ways and how they kind of, uh, you know, create a character in a way, um, you know, and, and um, but I wouldn't say they're far off on a lot of it, um, you know, so I thought it was, I thought it was good. I mean, they came to, they came to my house and, um you know, they, they shot what I said was okay to shoot, and they didn't what I said I didn't want them to see. And, I mean, the only thing I don't want to see is where I don't want people to know where I live. That's, that's like, as a security piece. Uh, I don't want that. Um, and they were respectful about that. And I said, here's the things that I'm willing to, to, to show. And, and, and we lived our life, and they filmed it. And we were, I can't say we did anything differently than what we typically would do. So uh, it was good that we did that. We... Um, they, well, should we put some GoPros in the, um, in the pickup truck on the way up to Bristol and had a truck full of kids screaming and then it's, it's life and they, they, they filmed it. It's, it's, so it's, it's going to be fun to watch that and how everybody does things differently, right? And, in in different, um, lives away from the racetrack, everyone has, you know, different amount of kids or married or not or whatever, right? Everyone has a different life. It's kind of fun to see. Yep. All right. We'll go over here. Hey, Joey. Uh, Chris Collin, News Daytona Beach. Um, so it was announced a couple of days ago that you'd signed a long-term extension with Team Penske. Um, I had, uh, I guess, two little questions. Is uh, Number one, can you confirm how many years the extension is, and is sponsorship lined up for the duration of it? I can't speak um, to the terms. Um, so um, I'm sure everyone can probably put a few things together and figure most of it out. But um, it's definitely a, um, a long-term deal that's going to be great for for all of us, um, with Shell and Pennzoil and, uh, and Team Penske. And, um, honestly, you know, I think about it and it's such a, it's a no brainer for, for me. Um, right. I was in a great situation. Um, I feel very loyal to, um, my partners in, in Roger and in Shell and Pennzoil that, that picked me up when no one else was going to, um, and gave me an amazing opportunity to win a bunch of races in a championship. Um, and, and had the uh, opportunity to continue that that relationship is, is to me, like I said, a no-brainer. I'm in a great spot. You got a winning race car, um, a secure place to work. Uh, when you think of what Penske can can offer there, um, you know. So to me, it was a, a pretty easy decision on on what to do there, and uh, and to continue growing on on the team we have. Um, it's tough to to keep jumping ship to go from one team to another. It's not easy to do um you have to relearn how things work um you know learn new relationships who does what um and you're kind of starting from the from the beginning um we're having the continuity of, of what we see uh at team penske for for years to come um whether it's on the 12 or to, you know with blaney resigning myself uh you see where we're going to be able to work together for a long time and keep building off of what we're doing and i think that puts us in a, a place of strength thanks joey yep all right we'll go to lee next 
just kind of curious, uh, we kick off the playoffs at Darlington, and with you winning there, how much confidence do you have going into the first race of the first round of the playoffs? I feel good about it. I feel, um, I mean, really the last month, I feel really good about our performance, um, especially how we've been executing races. Gosh, we've been uh, really good at that the last the last month. Um, we've maximized what we had. Uh, our cars need to be faster, for sure, but and depends on the type of racetrack. But to answer your question, Darlington is probably, you know, more so in our wheelhouse than any other racetrack. Um, old wore-out surfaces is, is good for for me as a driver and Paul as a crew chief. Um, and and the, the length and type of track that is as well kind of falls into our wheelhouse. So um excited about going back to Darlington. Obviously, we have a good place to work on, uh, work on after we just uh, ran there and had some success. So we can kind of tweak that, that setup some and and um, hopefully be a little stronger than we were last time. And, and to kind of go back to the last thing you were talking about, you were resigned. Blaney was resigned a week ago. They announced Suarez extension today. Okay. What kind of place does that put Kyle Busch in? I mean, as far as it being a distraction, because you guys are all now just fully concentrated on the task at hand, which is the playoffs. And, you know, he's got this, you know, 10,000-pound weight in the room just – not knowing where he's going, what he's doing, and certainly no continuity. Yeah, it's a fair question, and I can't answer it um, for him. Um, I can answer it for myself, uh, and just going through, you know, the the quick negotiations that there was. It was a Roger flew in, we met for three hours, and we shook hands and we left. Like that. That's how that worked, and that's how it worked the time before, and it, it's it works like that because we both understand each other's side and we come to a neutral ground that makes sense for everybody um, and we both walk out of the room feeling like we got a good deal and that's what a good deal is right when both sides win that's a good deal uh, we've been able to accomplish that for the last you know 10 years already um, so I, I, I can say when it happens that quickly and you just move on the distraction is minimal because it just happens boom it's over um, but knowing it with the negotiations coming, uh, you have to prepare for it, right? And and that is a distraction. Um, and that's just with one team, right? Oh, what if you were out there talking to four or five different teams all at the same time and trying to drive the race car and trying to, you know, live your life and be a dad and be a husband? All, holy moly. Like, I don't know if I can do it and not and be 100% at any of it. Um it's just the balance. I don't know if it's possible for for me. I can't speak for anybody else. I'm just speaking for myself. Um, that's you know one of the main reasons why I, I feel so so at home where I'm at. All right, we'll go up to Holly and then back there. Hi, Holly Kane with the NASCAR Wire Service. Joey, I I know this may sound like a crazy question, but can this race? How, how do you approach it? I mean, this race is typically a little bit, shall we say, active, wild, a lot going mm -hmm. on. Do you expect it to be the same way this weekend? And how do you kind of, you know, know that that's what you're going to expect? Is it, is it going to be even more so because it's deciding a lot for the playoffs? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, last chance. All right. And it, it's your last shot to get in. And you have everyone has the opportunity to win this thing. Everybody does. Um, and, yeah, I, I think this race plays differently um, than some of the, the, the other super speedways. And 
some of it is because points don't matter for a lot of people. Um, they matter for us. We, we can we can get up there in points still and, and turn those into playoff points. Um, but there's some teams that just they may not race for for stage points because what's it matter, um, right? They just got to survive and have something to race with at the end. So why would you take yourself out before that? Um, so you, you're going to have that. But I do think at the end of the race is desperate people do desperate things. And if this is your chance to to get into the playoffs and know what that means for your team and you have to make a risky move, the risky move is going to happen. Even if it's a 2% chance of it succeeding, it's going to happen. And to me, I think there's a 100% chance that they're going to crash at the end of this thing at some point. I don't see how you don't. I don't see how it doesn't happen. <laughs> I'd be surprised if it doesn't happen in the last five laps. Um, but, you know, it's it's a, it's just a situation that, that um, we are put in. Um, coming here to Daytona, a super speedway, uh, with what's on the line, right? And and it's it's kind of asking yourself, what would you do to win the Daytona 500? Well, what would you do to get in the playoffs? A lot of them are going to say, I'd wreck my mother to do it, right? That's what a lot of them would say. And most likely you're going to see something like that uh, tomorrow night. So um, hopefully the bright red and yellow Shell Pennzoil Mustangs in front of all that and, uh, and can get a trophy at the end of the day. All right, let's go back there and then up here to Dustin. Hey, Joey. Um, Trey Campbell of iHeart in Houston. Um, obviously, your playoff status is kind of, I guess, assured. Does going into this weekend, do you guys have sort of a plan to maybe go for the win, or are you guys kind of trying to help Ryan get into the playoff hunt, knowing he's kind of on the cutoff line? Ryan's in a pretty good spot um, after, you know, Kurt's news earlier this week. Um, unfortunately for him, but I guess for for Ryan, I guess uh, it, it puts him in a better spot. Um, and that, uh, you know, puts him in a, a, a better spot to make the, the playoffs throughout the, this, this race here. Um, there's still situations that can happen that knocks him out, obviously. Um, you know, and, and I'll be as good of a teammate as I always am and as good as I can be um, and work together as best as possible. But bottom line is, hey, I get paid to win the race too, and I need to go out there and try to win the race as well. So um, you can't do it on your own. you got to have people to work together with. Um, but, you know, we, we eventually got to go race each other too at some point. So with the, the rain kind of coming, how much of a different racetrack will it be? I, I know there's no practice, so there's nothing to really base it off of. Will it be sort of different than what we saw in the spring? Obviously, it, there wasn't, it wasn't as bad. Um, will the track be any different? Um, I mean, the rain's not going to affect it much after the first run and the track takes some rubber and, and you know, the Xfinity race tonight. Um, you should rubber it in some, so I guess it won't be that bad. Um, you know, it's all about track temp is really the biggest difference um, from the from the spring race to, to to the fall race, if you want to call it that, I guess. But um, is that, you know, the track temp. If it's hot, it's slick, and you're sliding around, and the pack gets a little looser. Um, if there's a ton of grip, the pack seems to be a little tighter, and and that's kind of what changes it up the most. Um, handling will come more into play. Um, but as the sun goes down, your track temp really doesn't get much different than what it is in, in you know, February in the 500. All right, let's go to Dustin and then Dalton. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Um, 
Joey, there's a lot of different scenarios that can happen at the end of the race. And, and looking at Ryan's situation, especially with Martin, if either one of those wins the race, you know, they protect themselves because one will be in on points, one will get that win for the victory. And I'm curious because Ryan's your teammate, if, it, if there's a situation where he chooses or is in a, put in a position where he feels like he's got to push Truex to the win to help out his situation as opposed to you or another Ford, how do you how do you look at that situation? How do you handle that? Certainly, it's, it could be a rare situation, but if they work together to help each other to to get into the playoffs, I don't see where it, Blaney pushing Martin would be better than pushing his teammate. I, I guess it would be the same result for Blaney. I would and his think teammate would have a win. Which would be good for Team Penske. So I don't see where I don't see the. I guess I don't see how that situation would play out and out there, okay. right? I mean, the worst thing that can happen for them, right, is if there's a non, a non, points, outside the playoff guy wins, and wins their way in, and then Martin gains 25 points on Blaney, right? That would be that would be the way he's out. Um, which I don't know how likely that is. It's very possible here at Daytona. If there is one place, it's it's here. Um, so it can happen. Um, but, you know, I, I can't tell you exactly how Blaney's going to call the race and what he's going to do. Um, you know, I think a lot of it depends. It's a little bit on feel, too, on how the race is going and what's going on in the first couple stages before you make your decisions, I think, too, at the end of the race. Thank you. Yep. And that is actually all the time we have. Thank you so much, Joey. Good luck this weekend. Okie dokie. Thank you, guys.